Hello there, this is Jim the Keys bartender coming to you from a lovely, lovely, sunny, 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 somewhat dry, a little humidity moving in, Florida Keys, specifically Key Largo. If you're not familiar with the Keys bartender show, it's about Keys living and bartending and uh, I guess the Keys living goes, to, except if you take the tropics out, you could get... Uh, like every day living in general. I don't know if I call that lifestyle, but it just, or I, I far be for me to be telling the listener on how to live, but I'm just giving you things that I learned when I do that and t- things about talking about things I learned from bartending and life in general. So yesterday, or day before, I talked about garnishes and garnishes being decorative or being an essential ingredient. Let's talk about essential ingredients. Now, once again, I refer to the mojito because a lime is an essential ingredient. And the same thing goes for margaritas and martinis and Gibsons. So that garnish makes the drink the drink that it is. A gin and tonic doesn't necessarily have to have a, a lime wedge as a garnish to make that drink. It would be nice, though, for some people, but some people don't necessarily have that. So those essential ingredients that uh, you need are critical. It's just like when you're using, especially when you depend on one of these uh, fruits, let's say, an orange, a lemon, a lime, the quality of it can bring down your, if it's poor quality, if it's a, you know, necessarily not flavorful orange, lime or lemon, could really change it up. And a really good one can really spice it up. So the kind of, when you're in, uh, let's say you're beheld or beholden to the quality of your essential ingredient, especially when you use a lot of these craft cocktails, use fresh ingredients, those tastes can vary. There's rarely do you hear someone say that some generic brands like Rose's Lime Juice. Well, Rose's Lime Juice, if you keep it chilled, always tastes like always tastes like Rose's Lime Juice. It's a sweetened lime juice. I don't even know if there's real lime in it or something. There probably is real lime in it. But um, where I work, we don't even use Rose's Lime Juice. We use fresh lime juice, uh, simple syrup, or agave nectar. Now, we're not a craft cocktail place, but that's a decision we made for our drinks. Now, if we use real fresh, fresh lime juice, then we're really beholden to that flavor. And you can it's hard to really be consistent about it, but that's what you gotta sacrifice. You sacrifice consistency with freshness. And you always you know wage that with it. It's like a single malt scotch. A blended scotch has different, uh, I'd have to call lots coming into it, different different mixtures. And the mixture, when you mix things, has a tendency to be more consistent. But when you have a single vintage, that's why wines, like a, a red blend, has a, a non-distinct taste than 
a Cabernet or a Merlot and stuff like that, but it adds a consistency. A red blend could be consistently good as long as you keep on adding, uh, let's say, premium ingredients to it. So the same thing goes with uh, these essential ingredients uh, cocktails. Fresh lime, lime could end up being a little, little, lime has a tendency to be a little sour, just like lemon. Orange could run the gamut in orange. An orange could be sour, orange could be sweet, orange could be dry. So whenever you're making a decision to design your cocktails, you got to be careful because if you're just going to use, let's say, sun-kissed orange juice, no pulp, you're going to have a consistent screwdriver. But if you're fresh squeezing your oranges in there, depends on what tree it comes off, really, especially down here. I don't know if you noticed a couple of years ago, I noted that in Florida, you figure when I was growing up, uh, Florida, I mean, orange is the emblem of the state. The orange, I think the orange blossom, if I'm not correct, is the state flower. But the horrible thing, when I first came down here and started shopping in a local supermarket, I noticed that there was an an inconsistent quality to oranges. And I thought, how could that be in a place where it's kind of like known for that? The orange did originate in Spain, I think North Africa maybe, came, you know, when the Spanish... uh, came over to the New World, I guess they brought some oranges or orange seeds over here, and they thrived in our climate. But what happened recently, at least I think it has to be in the last uh, 16, 17 years, it was called a greening. It's kind of a, I don't know if it's a disease or what you necessarily call that in horticulture, but it's a premature ripening or thing or under-ripening of the citrus and it affected the Florida orange crop. So, I mean, I guess there's some of them and stuff like that. And I don't know, I, I guess I have to do a little more screening, a screening, a little more reading on that. Because I know when I get, every so often I can get a good orange, I can get a good orange from, you know, sometimes from another place. Yeah, but I haven't had a really great orange in a long time. But they're still making orange juice, which I really don't understand how you could do that when the oranges are are such poor quality. But to get back to the topic, uh, the the critical thing I said, when you're using uh, fresh ingredients, uh, it's not like lettuce or cucumber necessarily, but... These main ingredients for certain cocktails, if they're not up to snuff, you'll have an inconsistent quality to your to your drink, and that's always you, you. I think it's kind of like saying when someone says if you're manufacturing snowflakes, and someone says, "Well, I'd like the same as that person has this." Well, no snowflake is the same; they're structurally different. So it's just what it is just like orange juice or lemons and limes. And we see it here in the business because sometimes we get these huge limes that are super juicy. Other ones get these small, real thick skin limes. Yeah, they may be from different, I guess, genetic lines. 
Same thing as orange uh, lemons. Lemons seem to be more consistent. There has been, uh, and, and besides all those things I did mention, it's really weird. Every time, and I'm sure there's some kind of um, trade thing that occurs, you know, supply and demand. But this time of year, it's only three days away from Cinco de Mayo. And yes, folks, this year, Cinco de Mayo falls on May 5th. I always say that to people trying to get them, get people to bite. and go, oh yeah, I think Cinco de Mayo is on May 5th. Just like Christmas on December 25th. It's always, well, that's what it means, May 5th. I go, yeah, I know that. I'm just seeing. Some people go, oh, really? That's that. That's odd. And it's to see if they're listening or paying attention or cognizant at a time. But anytime May 5th starts rolling around, some reason, limes skyrocket. Like a case of limes went, went through the roof. And then we started... Uh, that was a lime is typically what they used as a side, a garnish for seafood where I am. But when the limes shoot up and the lemon prices are kind of lower, they switch to a lemon garnish. I always like, I'm, I guess it's from being from the north. We always use lemon with our fish, not lime. But down here, it's more of a lime thing. And then when it comes to May 5th and stuff like that, limes get very expensive. And um, I guess I guess that's the thing about fruit and Mother Nature. You really, I, I was going to say you really can't depend on them. I'm saying it's really kind of nuanced each year on what how the fruit is, depending on how sunny it is, how dry it is, how how often it rains. If you have a consistent rain and sun, there's probably a certain set of meteorological conditions that enhance growing these things. So and essentially what it all boils down to, what I wanted to say though, if you're going to go with um, those fresh vegetables, you're going to have to, uh, fresh vegetables, fresh fruits, or uh, the, you know, if you had to make your own Bloody Mary mix, you had to use tomatoes. Tomatoes vary too. You're making tomato, if you would make your own tomato juice, which would be, Oh, my God. I'm sure there's a place out. I'm sure there's a, a, more than a few places in the United States that people get kind of crazy about it and say, we make our, all our juices. We make our own tomato juices for Bloody Marys and blah, 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 blah. I'm sure. I'm sure there's places like that. And I'm sure they charge $25, $30 for a Bloody Mary. But what I wanted to get down to, not everything has to be made in-house. Not everything needs to be fresh because some people expect a consistent drink when they come in. If you're serving a four or five dollar screwdriver, right, you don't want to be squeezing fresh oranges for that. Fresh oranges should be made for the 12, 15, 20 dollar screwdriver, right? And if you're going to make a strawberry daiquiri and things like that, strawberries are the same way, blueberries, strawberries, whatever you're using, stuff like that, the quality of the fruit really does alter the quality of the drink. So if you were going to go with something, that's why when people make strawberry daiquiris and stuff like that, most people don't take fresh strawberries and confectioner sugar or whatever sugar and blend it, make their own mix. You could, but, you know, the taste would kind of be inconsistent. 
So if you want to strive for consistency sometime on a budget using pre-made essential ingredients are the way to go. Because first, it'll save you time. In the long run, it saves you money. Unless you have an unlimited amount of oranges or something like that. And it's just, you're, you have a bar in the middle of an orange orchard. I got, that'd be crazy. Go out and buy orange juice. No, no, you, if you, you do have a bar in the middle of an orange grove that makes great oranges, you should be serving cocktails that are all based on the oranges. That'd be crazy. Crazy not to. Okay, I wanted to move on something. Talking about essential ingredients, you know, in the, it, this kind of segues nicely from the bar topics because in your place of work, wherever you work, depending if it's a small privately owned business or a big conglomerate, or you work for the government, in the military, or whatever, things like that, you work with other people unless, and even when you work remotely, you're working with other people. Most people that, there's very few people that work on their own. They always, uh, there are people like that. There's farmers and things like that. We're not discussing the lone barkeep at the smallest bar in Key West, like not getting wrong with the fellow employees when there's only maybe one or two employees, right? But even when there's only two employees, you know, a lot of times you'll find some friction right there. Find friction. Friction is a work is a high stress environment. It's just the way it is. It some of the the better and more popular place, the more uh, better. That's kind of arbitrary, but more popular or higher end the more stress. I think lower end, you know, lower pay. If you get if you're only getting close to minimum wage, your stress level levels should be zero. Should be zero. Cuz you should not if you're not being paid that much for a job, you should not be getting any stress. Now, if you're getting paid a lot for a job, once again, you may not I don't think stress is necessarily a good thing, too, but it just seems that that's what happens in a job. So uh, that the more money, more problems, more stress. And at popular restaurants, you have your popular times and then it gets more as um, it gets inundated with customers. If you're doing your job right. And fortunately, fortunately, I work at a place for its size, for its size, is very popular. It's very popular. And we got a name, we got a niche, right? And uh, I'm sure it's the same as that. And there's always, you're always going to run into conflict with your coworkers. It's just one of the things. You're not always at your finest when you're working. You have... Uh, Multiple things on your mind. You have a private life, and there could be things bothering you in your private life, and you you know financial problems, blah blah blah, kids, husband, wife, uh, you know your health. All those things are whirling around while you're working, dealing with other people that are dealing with the same things, the same things you are, your patrons, your coworkers, and things like that, and everyone reacts to it differently in work. And they, um, some of the finest people I worked with were self-aware of 
their strengths and uh, let's say their frailties. I don't want to say weaknesses. I don't like, you know, I guess I shouldn't say weaknesses. Say frailties. Because there's things we can't be great at everything. You know, some people are really good at socializing, introductions, communicating. And then other people are really good at being able to follow directions, uh, you know, perform tasks in an orderly, prompt fashion where they can just go and do it. You tell them, give them their job, they go and do it. They get the, they get the big picture right away, what you're trying to do. Now, at restaurants, the big picture is serve uh, the customer, get their order, get it accurately, get it uh, somewhat promptly, get it in and serve it completely and get everything they want. Uh, try to uh, fulfill whatever requirements they had, if the drinks they had, the kind of food they had, the special conditions they wanted their food done under. It sounds difficult, but you know, a lot of times people say, I'll have a cheeseburger, blah, 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 with fries and let you go in the, but you have to ask them the temperature and do that stuff. So once you get that's and the big picture in that is to make sure that the most volume of people get the most pleasant experience with the most satisfactory outcome, which is they just got fed, they're happy, they got exactly what they want, they got it in a prompt fashion, they got it, uh, they, they thought it was great. I thought it was good. And they leave thinking, well, this is the kind of place I will come back to. And that's the big picture. And it's the kind of place I would recommend to my friends. This is the kind of place when a tourist asks and said, where do you go and eat? Right? What do you like? Well, if I go here, I like that. And if you get to keep the big picture in mind, people will overlook your frailties. Whether it is you don't have a very big parking lot or you only have two bathrooms, you know, or, you know, or a hundred other things. But if you deliver the core of what you're supposed to, which is food, drink, service, and keep them happy to the most amount of people, you got it. And the problem is, as in with customers, every so often you get a customer that tries you might, they're ha- they have a, um, let's say they have a bend, they're bent to being negative, and they're looking for a negative, and they're looking to say something that's kind of, um, you know, dark. We deal with that. But we can't lose sight of everyone else over that one person. And that happens with coworkers, that happens with coworkers. Not uh, everyone is on board with the goal or the big picture. Sometimes, sometimes they have their own little th- things going on, and there's nothing you could do about it because they are trapped in that. They have other concerns, and you're not one of their concerns. The customer's not one of the concerns, and the whole idea. And they'll tell you, they'll tell you this, they'll tell you that it is. They'll say all the right things, but in the end, you don't see it happening. You don't see them being like 
the team players or something like that. When someone isn't your team player, and this is where it extends outside the restaurant business, a team player, any group, if you're working for some organization, that organization, that company, uh, that institution has a primary goal. And if that person isn't working to that goal, think about it. In any organization, in a school, the janitor, the, the, the school is to uh, keep the kids in a, um, a learning, uh, a safe, clean learning environment, right? That's hygienic. And that you're helping that as the janitor. That's your goal, to keep it clean. So when the kids go there, they don't get, let's say they don't get sick in the lunchroom. They don't do, they, they, you know, they, they don't get sick in the bathroom. They, 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 they see the place is clean. It's called a broken, let's say the broken window policy of some cities was mean you cover up the broken windows because the less things that are wrong with the place, the more people respect it. If you go to Disney World, Disney World is pristine, pristine. It's very unusual to see someone toss a piece of paper there because there are no papers on the front ground. And when they do, people, you know, may, and in Disney World's one of the places where if someone threw their bottle on the floor, on the ground, or napkin and stuff like that, if there's any place in the world someone might say something, it would be Disney World. So that's where janitor plays come in. They, if they're, they didn't do their job, they wouldn't be working towards the goal. Or a flight attendant, obviously a pilot, right? So you want to get along with those people in your organization so you can work well together. And when that person isn't working well together, we have a tendency to pile on them. And, you know, sometimes when things get slow or things get stressful at work, we try to find, and we subconsciously try to find a scapegoat. Why aren't things going perfectly? Why are there things not working like a well-oiled machine? Well, it could be because Norm, it could be Norm, could be Gladys, whatever you want to call that person. I'm sorry if you're a Norm or a Gladys. I just picked those two names because I don't know necessarily know Norm or Gladys. So I wouldn't be speaking about them. And we start um, cutting them off at the, the knees among each other, maybe to your supervisor, to your employer. And then you start isolating that person, Right? And the person starts getting isolated, and then you start realizing that you're the one that everyone's talking about. That's horrible. I realized that. I've been there. I was a new kid in, the, in, in school. I've been a new employee. I, re, I worked at a, when I was working at a restaurant one time, I was trying to do my side things like a delivery company and all this stuff. And I kind of got the vibe that my uh, fellow uh, co-workers was um, they were poking fun at my uh, side endeavors that I was trying to do 
and that there were small potatoes and there wasn't like what a stupid thing to do and things like that and it could have been slightly manufactured but it was partly because people w- did make light of what I I was doing but I ma- I took it a little too much to heart it doesn't take too much for people to take it to to heart I was always trying well when I was years ago when I was drinking heavily I always tried to um I always had these great ideas I never followed through with. I never followed through. I said, oh, this would be a good idea. And they were usually crazy ideas, kind of like the kind of ideas you hear with Michael Keaton when he was in, uh, I think it was called uh, Night Shift. It was Michael Keaton and uh, the guy who uh, played Arthur Fonzarelli. I forgot his name already. Jeez. But, um, oh, Henry Winkler. They were in the movie, and he said, you know, very good idea. Feed mayonnaise to tuna, you know, so I can just get the mayonnaise. Yeah, uh, dumb idea. But I didn't, my ideas were better than that. What I'm getting back to the point is like, once we'd ridicule our coworkers and stuff like that, I remember years ago when I was in college, I had a summer job working at a company, a manufacturing company, and there was a guy who was socially awkward. Um, I guess he was in his late 30s and he was uh, not really good with the ladies and stuff like that. And he was always trying to talk. We had uh, Korean immigrants working in emigres uh, working in the, the uh, company and he was always trying to talk to them. And he was kind of being goofy. And we were goofy people ourselves, the college people that were working in the um, in the factory. We were goofy in ourselves compared to the other people. And we started ridiculing this guy and uh, behind his back. You know, he's always one person. But I always thought, and if the person isn't really doing any particular harm to anyone, they're not harassing anybody. They're not hurting a the company. They're not stealing. They're not breaking policy or anything like that. If it's just socially, you don't want to be, let's say, gaslighting your fellow employees. It's best to invite them into the fold and say, hey, listen, you know, this is what we're planning on doing. I know it's hard to do. People say, well, listen, I am not being a motivator for my company. I'm not hired to do that. I'm here to, I'm a, let's say I'm a, a, a security guard at a mall or I'm a server at a TGI Friday or I, I work, I, I, I'm a Zamboni driver at an ice rink. And you think, well, that's, none of my, that's not my job. That's my, not my job to do that. They have people at a higher pay, pay grade to do that. But my, my idea is, you know, once everyone does well, you start doing well. When you can make the place you work at work better, work more efficiently, you know, that gets better for you. When uh, I'm... Uh, I'm working my way back to bartending. But when it gets slow at the bar, 
And sometimes it, it doesn't it rarely get super slow at the bar, but every so often when there's only a couple people and there's like a couple big tables come in and there's only like two, three people at the bar, I will concentrate on running those tables. I'll drop off menus, get drinks, run food uh, as, as if it's mine. I'll keep an eye on it when it's not something like there. I'll talk to someone. I'll keep an eye on the window, the window where the food comes out. I'll try to run that out. If I see someone's drinks running down, I'll go and do that. You know why? I know when I do that and my coworkers see I do that, they're, um, I work with people that are very good at helping other people too helping my people out. And that's what I tell people when they say, you know, I always said it kind of sucks sometimes to tip share. A tip share is, is, a, is an understanding, a trust, because you're trusting that the person that's working with you is putting everything they have in that shared tip thing, and they're not holding anything back. They're not taking special treatment of their friends and getting you know, preferential tips or anything like that. So you're, you're trusting in them and you're also trusting in them to do their best job to enhance their earning potential. Because whatever they earn, you earn. So the more productive you are, the better night they have. The more productive they are, the better night that I have. But the easier night they have and the, the, when they see that they're busy and their food needs to go out, I'll do that. Sometimes we're all getting hit all at the same time and it's everybody is in the pool at the same time. And it's catch as catch can, meaning you can do what you can do when you can do it. But in those circumstances, when you bring... When you pull everyone together, you can pull sometimes the weakest link, the weakest link. That's almost a negative thing. The person, let's say, with more frailties than others, that you can bring them into the fold and it's better to work with them and sometimes to ignore their social awkwardness. As long as their intentions are good, you really shouldn't have to mind. And that can all work in almost in any environment, any environment. Finally, you know, with just because you disagree with a person and recently, last couple of years, politics have been very divisive, very, very divisive. And they've been divisive in the past. They have been divisive in the past. It's just that people are forgetful. They're forgetful about that stuff. They do. They, do, they don't think in history. They always think what is happening today is worse than what happened 50 years ago, 100 years ago, 160 years ago. It's not. It is not. It's always been divisive. So nowadays, um, it's hard for people to agree on the same thing. Uh, there's people in my family I don't agree with, but it doesn't change what we feel. I, my sister and I have completely different views on the world and completely different views on the facts but the one thing we do agree on is that we're family and we care about each other. And we enjoy their, each other's company. Sometimes we have to say, hey, let's stop talking about this because obviously we're not going to agree on it. And just because you care about someone doesn't mean you have to agree with them. That's just the proof of it.
That's it. I just had the proof of it when I was talking to my sister today. I have relatives like that. And there's some people that really, uh, there's people that come into uh, my, the restaurant they have. They know I don't agree with them and they'll just keep on talking their thing. It's like, you know, it's, it's like if, um, God, if an imam came in and said, you know, I think you'd really be a good Muslim thinking like I am not going to be a Muslim says, you're not going to be a Catholic or you're not going to become a, a Jew it's just one of those things just talking to someone and strongly held belief is not going to happen but you can always get along with someone you can always get along with someone you can, you can as long as the person isn't hateful you can't be hateful or mean that's the one thing you got to throw out your window if you're, going to, if you're going to try to get along with people you can't be hateful, you can't be hurtful you shouldn't be mean I'm, I'm sure there's other things. There's, I'm sure there's other things you have to do um, do to do that. But they're big ones. If you can do that, if you can be kind. If you're a kind person, if you think that way, I'll tell you, that probably would go a long way. Well, that's all I have to say, man. I've been going on forever here. Thank you for listening today. This is Jim the Keys Bartender. I will be back to you on another day. Have a wonderful day. Bye.